0: and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me again. Paul Gray here. I'm really excited to be with you now and for the next three months or so, because we're starting a series that's going to go through this next season, where each week... We discuss and meditate on one different aspect of the Trinity's inexhaustible, mystical adventure of experiencing the euphoria of perichoresis community. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Well, we're focusing on the real thing. Once we see and handle and meditate on the real thing continually, then any counterfeit thing that comes into our life is going to stand out like a sore thumb. So, up front, we're going to embrace the standard that Jesus revealed to us that everything about God, concerning God, is pure light, perfect, with no trace of darkness. Every aspect of God's nature and character is never ending, never failing, and is for all people, as in grace to all. With that being the perfect standard, we know then that anything we see in our life, anything we read anywhere, including scripture, any message that we hear, anything that is even a tiny bit different than the only true God who is pure, perfect light with no trace of darkness, it's not the real thing. It's not the only true God. The first aspect The one we're going to talk about this week, and it is foundational for everything else. The one that everything flows from in God's nature and character is, of course, agape. The Greek word that was only used and first used with the early church, the first church, is the God kind of love, supernatural divine love that is one way from God to us. It has no conditions, no time limits, no restrictions, no qualifications, no expectations, no demands, no prerequisites, and it never fails, and it is for and includes all people. If you find yourself thinking, well, but what about this, or what about that, or what, you know, then all those whatabouts are something that's less than pure, perfect light with no trace of darkness. So here's the template for our discussion each week. Our discussion, and I'm going to offer you the opportunity to meditate on this too. It's the Trinity's inexhaustible, mystical adventure of experiencing the euphoria of pericurecious community. And today, We're going to be clear on what each one of those words means, so we'll know going forward. First of all, the Trinity. That's the foundational and non-negotiable anchor of agape, the God kind of love. God has always existed in three persons with one essence, thus revealing to us that God exists in and is in relationship. If there's only one entity, it's impossible to love anything except yourself, and that's narcissism. That's why the Trinity is so important. The three have always existed together in pure, perfect relationship. Any concept that God is a singular entity comes from religion's false concept of God. Any concept that the members of the Trinity are different the only way they're different is the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. The Holy Spirit's not the Father or the Son. That's the only way they're different. In everything else, they are exactly the same. So any concept that the members of the Trinity are different is a counterfeit concept. Whenever you think or hear, as you may have religion that, well, yeah, Jesus is great, but you got to be afraid of the Father, got to be afraid of God, because Jesus stands in between you and God, and God can't stand to look at you unless he sees Jesus first. God can't stand to be around you, and God's going to punish you. That is counterfeit. See, Jesus, the exact representation of God, is not like that at all. So anytime you hear something like that about God, that's counterfeit. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. We're told that by the writer of Hebrews in chapter 1, by the Apostle Paul in uh, Colossians 1, and many other places. Jesus himself said, no one knew the Father until Jesus came. Nobody knew what the Father was like. Everybody had different misconceptions of what God was like. Some people got a few things right in bits and pieces, but none of them knew him. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty seven. He said, all things have been handed over to me by my father. That would be all of us and everyone. And no one knows the son except the father, nor does anyone know the father except Jesus and anyone to whom Jesus determines to reveal him. John 6, 46, Jesus said, No one has seen the Father except me, the one who proceeds from him. I am most intimately acquainted with the Father. John 17, 25 and 26, the night before he died, Jesus is praying. We're told that he was standing up with his arms lifted high up and his eyes were wide open. He was praying to the Father intimately, but he was doing it out loud so that the disciples and everybody there could hear what he was saying. Here's what he says. You are my righteous father, but the unbelieving world has never known you in the perfect way that I know you. The unbelieving world, when Jesus said that, was the world of religion, who believed in a false concept of God. Jesus said, all those who believe in me also know that you have sent me. I have revealed to them who you are, and I will continue to make you even more real to them. That's what he's doing today. So that they may experience the same endless love that you have for me, for your love will now live in them, even as I live in them. And as we're talking about love today, the primary, all consuming, foundational essence of God, of who God is, Jesus said, I am revealing what the Father is like, who the Father is, so that we can—here's the result of knowing that—experience the same endless love that the Father has for Jesus. And Jesus says, for your love will now live in them, even as I live in them. And that's amazing. So any concept of God that we read or see or hear about that conflicts with Jesus, with perfect love and pure light, with God the Father loving us exactly like he loves Jesus, is bogus, counterfeit, false, not true. And anytime we hear a counterfeit concept, we always want to, there are five R's here, five re's, five five re's. First of all, we want to recognize it for what it is. Second of all, we want to immediately reject it. Third, repent, which is a terrible, heinous word translated from what really means is to change our mind about that, realize that's not true. Number four, replace it with the truth. And then number five, rejoice in that truth. The Trinity's Inexhaustible Mystical Adventure of Experiencing the Euphoria of Perichorecious Community. All right, here's the second word in that, inexhaustible. That's another way to say grace. Inexhaustible, according to the dictionary, is an amount of supply of something that is unable to be used up because of existing in abundance, like the wine that Jesus made From water. It was way more than the people there could ever consume. Like the food that Jesus provided two different occasions, one for 20,000 people, another for about 12,000 people. It was way more than they could eat with basketfuls left over. Like the fish Jesus provided in the two miraculous fishnet experiences, more than they could eat in commercial business, more than the boats could handle, sank the boats, more than they could get to shore. Inexhaustible, that's grace. Grace is inexhaustible, always more than enough, always more than sufficient. Grace to all. Look at John 17, 3. Again, the night before he died. Here's the mirror translation of what Jesus said. This life of the ages, that other versions unfortunately translate eternal life, the actual meaning is life of the ages, this life of the ages invites all people to engage in the inexhaustible adventure of knowing you, Father, the only true God, and me, Jesus, whom you commissioned. That's where I got this phrase, the inexhaustible adventure. That's what life with God is like. That's what eternal life is. It's engaging in the inexhaustible adventure of knowing God, the Father, and Jesus, and the Holy Spirit intimately, right? Here's the third word in our phrase, mystical. We did a 10-week study the first of this year about mystics, mystery, and mystical. It simply means someone who personally hears from God, personally hears from God, not about God, but from God ourselves. The Trinity's inexhaustible mystical adventure of experiencing the euphoria of perichoresis community. Here's the fourth word in it. The Trinity's inexhaustible mystical adventure. Adventure is an exciting or noteworthy event that one experiences firsthand. It's an escapade, a lark, a special occasion, exploration. It's a mission. Helen Keller, one of my favorite quotes of all time, Helen Keller, blind and deaf, said this, life is either a daring adventure or nothing at all. We are invited to participate in the Trinity's inexhaustible mystical adventure. <laughs> that mystical adventure is experiencing the euphoria of perichoresis community. All right, here's the next word, experience. The Trinity's inexhaustible mystical adventure of Experience. This is not academic. This is not head knowledge. This is something that you learn about, check off, take a test, forget about it. It's real. It's happening. It is your own personal ongoing experience that is unique and different than anyone else. It's as unique as your fingerprints. The Trinity's inexhaustible mystical adventure of experiencing the euphoria of perichoresis community. Euphoria. In Acts 2, 26 and 28, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago, Paul is giving this message and he's quoting David here and he says, no wonder my heart is glad and my glory celebrates. My mouth is filled with your praises, saying this to God, for you have revealed to me the pathway to life and seeing your face fills me with euphoria the greek word i don't know how to pronounce it occurs only here in one of the place in acts 14:17 where it says he satisfies our lives and euphoria fills our hearts it's the spirit of joy and ecstasy that comes from god now that's the greek word the aramaic which Jesus and Peter would have spoken, and the other people of that age, says, God, you will fill me, O oh sweetness, with your presence. And that's what euphoria is. It's this being filled with the sweetness of God's presence. All right. The Trinity's inexhaustible mystical adventure of experiencing the euphoria of perichoresis community. Perichoresis. My friend Baxter Kruger has used that word as the name for his ministry, perichoresis. Perichoresis is derived from Greek word, combined word, from peri, P-E-R-I, which means around, and chorea, which is really where we get our word choreography from. It's a dance, especially the round dance with its music. As a compound word, it refers to going around or encompassing, conveying the idea of two sides of the same coin. Baxter says that perichoresis is people are so close together, so one, so much in union, that when one cries, the other tastes salt. Perichoresis is a term referring to the relationship of the three persons of the Trinity, God, Father, and the Holy Spirit, to one another. It was first used as a term in the first century by the Christian church. That's where it came up with, the church fathers. In the Hebrew scripture, a few hundred years before the first church, Zephaniah had this prophetic vision. He heard this from God. God inspired him to speak it. I don't know that he had any concept of what it meant. Many of the other uh, writers of the Old Testament didn't either. Uh, Only a few things from God did they understand. That's why Jesus said, nobody knew the father but me. Here's what Zephaniah said in 317. The Lord your God is in the midst of you, a mighty one, a Savior who saves. (laughs) A Savior doesn't do much good if he doesn't save. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest in silent satisfaction, and in his love he will be silent and make no mention of past sins or even recall them. He will exalt over you with singing. And the word there, rejoicing over you with joy, exalting over you with singing, means to sing and dance with great joy and mirth, M-I-R-T-H, over you. That's what perichoresis is. The Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, in this triune circle dance of love and all of its expression, are dancing over you, singing over you, making music over you in great euphoria. Oh, man. The Trinity's inexhaustible mystical adventure of experiencing the euphoria of perichoresis community. There's our last word, community. The Greek word is koinonia. Many of you are familiar with that. It means fellowship, joint participation, the share which one has in anything, a gift, jointly contributed, a collection or a contribution. We have a share in the divine nature, Peter writes in Second Peter 1, chapter 1. We are in fellowship, in union, in oneness with the Trinity in their perichoretic communion right now. So, Here's the practical application now that we can use for the different word that I'm going to give you each week. We're going to have a different word this uh, next season. It's remembering up front that we embrace the standard J- Jesus revealed to us that everything about God is pure light, it's perfect with no trace of darkness. Every aspect of God's nature or character is never ending, never failing, is for all people, is totally good, and is pure light with no darkness. Now with that being the perfect standard, we know that anything that we see, again, is that's anything even a tiny bit different, is not the real thing. That's not describing the only true God. So the first word this week, the first aspect, the essence of God character, the one that everything else flows from is agape, the God kind of love that is one way From God to us, it has no conditions, no time limits, no restrictions, no qualifications, no expectations, no demands, no prerequisites. It never fails. It never ends. And it is for and includes all people. So again, anytime you think or you hear somebody say or you read, well, yes, God is love. But if that but (laughs) and any but will contains anything. Anything, even the tiniest little thing that contradicts one-way love that has no conditions, no time limits, no restrictions, no qualifications, no expectations, no demands, no prerequisites. It never fails, and as for it includes all people. If it contradicts that, not talking about the same God at all. Not at all. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Now, I've been doing this. I wouldn't ask you to do anything that I don't regularly do. I'm going to ask you to do this this week. and. For the rest of this series that we do, take some time each week, be still, quiet your mind, and meditate. Ask Papa, Jesus, and Grace, the Holy Spirit, to immerse you in their revelation of agape, the God kind of love, in your inclusion in the Trinity's inexhaustible mystical adventure of experiencing the euphoria of perichoresis community. Ask them to reveal to you what they want you to see and hear and know and experience about their love. Ask them to show you what it means that you are beloved. You might meditate on this passage. It's the Song of Solomon from the Old Testament, the Hebrew scripture, written by Solomon. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 10 to 15. And this is the Passion Translation. The one I love the writer says, referring to Jesus, calls to me. Now, this is what God is saying to you. This is written to you. The one you love, Jesus, calls to you. Arise, my dearest. Hurry, my darling. Come away with me. I have come, as you asked, to draw you to my heart and to lead you out, to lead you out of a false concept of God. For now is the time, my beautiful one. The season has changed. The bondage of your barren winter has ended. No more season of barrenness, thinking that God has anything other than pure light. And the season of hiding is over and gone. The rains have soaked the earth and left it bright with blossoming flowers. The season for singing and pruning the vines has arrived. I hear the cooing of doves in our land, filling the air with songs to awaken you and guide you forth. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? (laughs) The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. And it finishes with this phrase. The hiding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whispers. There is change in the air. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in a secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes of worship. How lovely your voice in prayer. You must catch the troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. Those are the things that say God is anything but pure light and love. They raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together. You are the beloved. What a picture. Of God's love for us, we can confidently say I am the beloved of God. Then at least part of what we'll take away from our meditation time each day in asking the Holy Spirit and Papa and Jesus to reveal to us what their love means to us, a part of that will include knowing Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians one twenty seven, knowing about Grace, the Holy Spirit of Christ in you, will energize you, filling you with all His explosive power from the realm of His magnificent glory, filling you with great hope, Colossians 1.11. You will experience the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you, which is divine love in all its varied expressions, Galatians 5.22. And as you go out from your secret place of meditation, you will find the Holy Spirit of Christ in you, resonating with Everyone you are around, you will experience what Jesus told his followers the night before he died, John 13, 34 to 35. He said, now love each other just as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know you are my true followers. That's what's going to happen in your life, and my life, as we come to know more and more about what God's love is really like. You will be demonstrating the only true God in this world to everybody you're around, as opposed to any false concept of Adam's counterfeit God. Hey, everybody, I hope this has been encouraging to you. It's really encouraging to me. I think you can see that. And we're going to grow in grace during this next season of time as we are on this adventure and we learn and meditate and think on and intimately come to know a different quality, a different part of God's nature every week. Look forward to seeing you next week. We're going to talk about grace then. Love you all. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group. Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.